With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, Tiger fans. It is Before the Box Score. I am your host, Nate Edwards, joining you again for our weekly segment. Uh, we are coming off the bye week. Thank God. We finally have an opponent this week. Uh, and it's the mighty Troy Trojans. And uh, tonight we are joined uh, by uh, Scott Watkins, who is the managing editor of the Trojan Wall and someone who has good insight on the Trojan football team. Uh, Scott, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. So, Scott, uh, you're going to have to understand that the Missouri fans are a little gun-shy about Troy uh, because about 15 years ago we had a very unpleasant incident with you guys. I guess just for our own curiosity, what were you doing on the night of September 9th, 2004, uh, when Troy pulled the upset on Mizzou? Yeah, this is a fun question because I was seven years old. And <laughs> I, I didn't, I, we hadn't even lived in Alabama yet. We were still living in Central Arkansas. I was still a year away from even being introduced to college football. So I was, it was nice. So I was probably sleeping. I didn't even know what a Troy was. But <laughs> I asked one That's of our good. contributors over at the Trojan Wall, uh, Ben Whitehead, and he was 17, and he was there. And he actually described the game for me. And he told me that he, he got there late. Missouri was already up 14-0, but it was the most electric atmosphere he has ever felt in Troy. And he, he says he would still argue that that's the biggest game that's ever been played at the vet. So um, apparently he had a pretty good time. Uh, he described the uh, the big touchdown from Troy's offensive lineman, Junior, Junior Lassant. 
He said he remembers the running back hitting the running lane, getting hit by a Missouri defender and looking away because he thought the play was over. But what happened on that play is the mm-hmm. ball was knocked loose directly into the stomach of an offensive lineman who took like 60 yards south. And that's one of the biggest plays in Troy football history. We did a uh, top plays ever this summer. It was top three, wow. I think. Well, I'm glad we could provide that moment for you guys. Um, yeah, that was very unpleasant for me. I was still kind of on the fringe of college football fandom. But, um, yeah, that was that was a very sad day for us. But I'm glad it was good for you guys and uh, your seven-year-old self who was probably asleep. That's good. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Well, so let's get let's get out of the past. You currently are in, we're in the 2019 season, and uh, you all have a brand-new coach in Chip Lindsey. Uh, we're four games into the season. It looks like the Trojans have just absolutely bushwhacked uh, Campbell and Akron um, and have gone toe-to-toe with their peers in Southern Miss uh, and Arkansas State. So I guess, you know, just four games into the season, how do you all feel like Chip Lindsey's doing as a head coach? How do you all or how do I do? Because how I feel is very different from how the uh, Troy fan base feels about <laughs> what's going on. Let's, let's, let's take yours. You're, the, you're my guest tonight. Let's go with your opinion. I think right now he's just kind of taking everything in, Chip Lindsey. Uh, he's a very relaxed person. His personality is very different from Neil Brown's. Uh, even in front of the press, even after losses, he's just he's really chill, and people take that one way or another. Um, through four games, I think he's very quickly making a case for being probably the best play caller Troy has ever had. And this is Chip Lindsey's first opportunity to be the full-time play caller at the college level. So I think that's that's really impressive. It's what he's been able to do on offense despite losing three scholarship running backs and only having two left. Opposing teams know they're going to throw the ball, and it, it really doesn't seem to matter. He's going to move the ball through the air. And uh, I, I think just the way he's been able to, to, to do these things on offense, it, it's impressive. Um, it, it seems like he doesn't have any type of uh, control over the defense at all, which is not surprising. Uh, that's that's the area that people around here are very yeah. concerned about, though. Yeah, I mean, certainly you all can can put up the points. It's it's stopping them that seems to be the issue. And uh, you know, as far as from a Missouri standpoint, we hired our defensive coordinator Barry Odom, and we all thought the defense was going to be tremendous and the offense was going to need some work. Well, it turns out with when you have a head coach, it's sometimes a little bit different than what you, what you think going in. Um, and as far as delegation and working with that side of the ball. Uh, do you get the sense that Chip Lindsay is really focused on on the offense, and and that's why the defense is kind of uh, regressing so much, or do you think him even paying attention to it a little bit more would help at all? Uh, he he honestly does not pay a whole lot of attention to the defense. I don't think. I mean, I went to every single spring practice, and I was at a few fall practices, and you would rarely ever see him around the defense. Um, I don't think that if he did spend time around the defense he would have much impact just because his background it's there's not a whole lot of defense in there so um yeah, yeah. I, I think he's he's just kind of left the defense up to the defensive coaches well you know it's it's only bitten him twice uh, and obviously the defense does have some work to go but i mean really i think the most impressive aspect of your team is Caleb Barker uh, who last season has an incredible season before he tore his ACL uh, it's like four games in or something like that um I guess in, in your eyes and from what you've seen, is he the same player he was before the injury last year? Um, and in particular, what, what does he do well? So he's he's doing some different things this year 
than he did last year. Neil Brown kind of he took advantage of Caleb Barker's legs last year. They ran a lot of option type plays, a lot of RPOs, and he really made his money off of those plays. Uh, this year, whether it's for protection reasons or whatever, it they are rarely doing any type of design runs with Caleb Barker. And it's amazing just how good Caleb Barker has shown himself to be a pocket passer so far. And his ability to get out of the pocket and still make a very good throw down. For last year, he would almost never throw the ball more than 15 yards. And this year, he's putting it on the dot from 60, from 50 yards away. And so it's it's really impressive what Barker's been able to do. Uh, against Southern Miss, he set the school record. He was the first ever quarterback here to throw for over 500 yards. Which is really impressive because Troy's had several air raid quarterbacks come through in a true air raid system and this is an air raid system so uh it's it's he's been really good not going to quarterback like uh, neil brown did a little last year and the year before that year for that it's Caleb barker and it's all about protecting him and letting him throw to a group of wide receivers that is extremely talented so you know look speaking of those wide receivers i was taking a look at your guys stats and like your top three you know the catch rate for those guys is outstanding almost 80 percent at this point um, do you attribute that more to Caleb Barker's accuracy or do you contribute it more to the receiver's ability to hold on to the ball or is it a mix of both? It's a, it's, it's really dependent on the wide receiver. Actually, there are out of the, there's five receivers that can go over a hundred yards on Saturday. That's because five different receivers already have in four games. And, um, there are three that are your, they're big, they're downfield type receivers that just make plays downfield. And there's two smaller ones, two speedy ones. And what's interesting to me, the guy with the highest catch rate, Kalen Geiger, he actually, in my mind, kind of struggles with drops a little bit. He's dropped a few passes already this year. And I think that that answers your question. It, Caleb Barker is putting it on the money for the most part. And uh, it's it's up to the receivers mm-hmm. to catch it. Reggie Todd and, and Khalil McClain have been huge as Juco transfers. Uh, Troy got both of them over Kansas. Uh, I think McClain was almost committed to Kansas when Troy came in. And – um. They're just really talented, and Barker is really accurate. He was last year, if you checked the stats, I know you did, mm-hmm. it was over 70%. That was a school record for completion percentage. And it's just five different receivers, and they've got a tight end now, and they've, Troy's never had a tight end before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Sam Sam Letton, right, uh, the new tight end? Uh, there's, yeah, there's Sam Letton. Um, it's kind of weird how the offense works. It's, it's weird how offenses – across college football works now there's there's two different positions in the depth chart there's there's the tight end and i i think it's the y receiver they're pretty much the same thing and sam letton is kind of the y receiver guy and aj lewis is kind of the tight end guy and they do they do very similar things yeah sam's been targeted a lot more uh six times compared to aj's one but that's nice to have kind of like that more traditional tight end so when he does roll out it's kind of like oh surprise i can catch balls too um yeah yeah, yeah, that that happened against Akron was that was his one target of the year, and I I'm just waiting. I feel like that's something that's gonna bust out because I've seen Lewis play and I've seen him practice. They use him a lot in practice, so uh, I think I'm thinking that's gonna be something that develops here pretty That'll soon. Be interesting to see, yeah. So you know we we talked about the offense overall, and and you've you've mentioned Neil Brown and what he did last year. I mean, really, Neil Brown's tenure at Troy seemed to be revolved around excellent defenses and like really opportunistic offenses. And this year with Chip Lindsay calling the shots, the offense is just blazing up and down the field and the defense is, you know, kind of holding on for dear life. So what has contributed to the decline in defensive performance in just, in just one year? 
So there was there's a lot of turnover, especially in the defensive backfield. Uh, Troy lost starting corner Blaze Brown to graduation. Lost starting corner Marcus Jones to transfer. Lost starting corner Terrence Dunlap at the last second, and he 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 was ruled academically ineligible. And that left Troy with mm-hmm. zero returning cornerbacks with any experience whatsoever. And so they moved uh, backup spear Will Sunderland to corner. He He's an Oklahoma transfer, actually. And true sophomore O'Shea Fletcher has stepped in at the other corner spot. And then to make matters worse, uh, Juco transfer Kobe Perry at safety. He was going to be one of the – he's going to be he's going to be active. He's going to be in the rotation. He was also lost to academics at the last second. And then ahead of the Akron game, both of Troy's remaining starting safeties got hurt. So they're, they're paper thin back there. They're paper thin. They're very young, very experienced, very inexperienced, and they're, they're getting torched. And quite frankly, the coaching staff ha- is also showing its age a little bit and its experience that they're not adjusting well at halftime. Um, I watched the Southern Miss game, and they, they would do this little drag route every now and then. And even in the second half, it wasn't getting covered. It wasn't getting stopped. And, and there's at least one big touchdown given up off of it. So it, it's a lot of bad things going on in the defensive backfield. Um, so far, the front seven is holding up like it's always had. Troy has had some kind of machine built where they just kind of crank out these front seven guys. And they're crazy. I mean, they're first in rushing defense and yards per carry allowed like every year now. And that hasn't changed. They've only given up 76 rushing yards a game this year on like 2.3 yards a carry. But at the same time, they haven't really played a, a deep backfield like Missouri yet. So that's that's what I'm going to be keeping my eye on. I think that Kelly Bryant's going to just light it up. But I want to see how Troy does against the Missouri run game. It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, the thing with Missouri is that our, our passing game has almost been the the kind of efficiency machine, right? We get three, four yards here and there. And our running game has been the one that's been the big explosive plays. Um, we haven't seen Kelly Bryant run all that much, although he started to do that against South Carolina. But I mean, your your front, uh, you know, I know Will Cholo's a sophomore, but everybody else is seemingly is seniors. Um, it's really interesting to see kind of the the where the tackles fall because a lot of those tackles outside of Carlton Marshall, who has thirty three and is a linebacker, most of them are on your defensive line and your secondary. So outside of Carlton Marshall. Is it just the linebackers aren't getting the opportunity to make plays, or are they getting the opportunity and not making it? So outside of Marshall, the linebackers actually rotate in and out quite a bit. There's a few. There's uh, Justin Wisenhunt, A.J. Smiley, K.J. Robertson. They just come in and out. So they're not in the game nearly as much as Carlton Marshall is, who is mm-hmm. pretty much constantly in the game. That makes sense. That makes sense. I know, you know, obviously you said that the secondary is very thin. If you have a, you know, pretty stout linebacking core, you want, when you want to utilize that depth, then you absolutely sure, uh, absolutely should, I should say. Um, as far as the secondary goes, uh, what do you got? Del Pettis is a freshman. Looks like O'Shea Fletcher is a freshman. Um, you have Melvin Tyus, who is a senior, but of the young guys, like Reddy Stewart, of the younger freshman cornerbacks who have been pressed into action, even though it's been four games and even though there have been butts have been lit on fire, are you seeing some promise? Are you seeing some like growth opportunities for the young guys? 
Uh, so far, every game has been a growth opportunity. Um, Fletcher, I think I said sophomore early, he's a redshirt freshman. He battled last year with Troy's top receivers in practice every every day, and he's getting a taste of the real world this year, and it's it's been <laughs> it's been rough. But him and uh, Reddy Stewart, he's a true freshman. Stewart's very fast. He's he's a good tackler. Uh, they're getting their opportunities. At, it's going to be a little bit before I think we see any real progress. I think Troy fans, when they when they see the amount of points that Arkansas State scored, they kind of just hope, just like the Southern Miss game. The Arkansas State game was very different. Troy first forced four turnovers. They came into the season like tied first in turnovers forced in the last three years or so. And they just weren't mm-hmm. forcing any turnovers the first few games. Well, they first forced four against Arkansas State. At least nine points came straight off the offense, a safety and a uh, fumble. So I think there was I think there was total mm-hmm. progress um, on defense last week. But that's against a team that was starting a redshirt freshman quarterback who was making his first ever start. And Arkansas State didn't have any run game whatsoever. They had lost three of their running backs before that game, just like Troy had. So this is going to be a very different challenge. It is. I mean, this is going to be your first Power 5 team that you guys go up against. Um, So just kind of based off of the performance so far – what are some under the radar Troy players that Missouri fans should look out for? And I mean, it's no disrespect to you guys, but I don't think most Missouri fans know a lot about the Troy roster. So educate us. Who are some big play playmakers that we might be uh, hearing their names called on Saturday? So I alluded to this earlier, but Troy has five different guys on, on in the wide receiver room that could blow up today. And they've had so far through four games, they've had eight different 100-yard receiving games from five different players. That's a school record. That's awesome. Uh, against Southern Miss, they had three players with over 100 yards receiving. That's a school record. Uh, against Arkansas State, they had two. Khalil McLean, Reggie Todd, Kalen Geiger, Luke Whittemore, Trey Eifer. All of those guys could, could explode, and it's 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 very possible. Um, DK Billingsley is the running back. He's the guy that's kind of been fighting for his chance for a couple years now. He finally got it. Had his first 100-yard rushing game last week, and that was with Troy playing from behind and throwing the ball so much. He was he was incredibly efficient out of the backfield. So it this is going to be, I think, Lindsey's test on offense, and he's he's been great calling the play so far. But can he move the ball against Missouri? He's got the weapons. He's got everything he needs. Can he move the ball? DK Billingsley, man, he is getting five yards about 48 percent of the time. He's taking it even further once he goes past that, about five yards after he gets past the line. That's a dude. Um, we'll see how he does against our defensive front. Uh, it is it's it is our strong suit at this point, uh, limiting the runs. Now, obviously, we can be gashed for big explosive plays, so uh, that's going to be a good matchup as we get into Saturday. So from your perspective, you've seen two big Troy wins. You've seen two close Troy losses and shootouts. In your opinion, what does a Troy win look like from a statistical perspective? Are they running more plays? Are they getting more explosive plays? Are they milking the clock? Like, what is it going to take for Troy to beat Missouri? Uh, let's see, I, I actually wrote an article that uh, was uh, specific to a Sunbelt team beating a Power 5 team a few weeks ago. It was actually I wrote it before the Georgia State-Tennessee game, so I was really proud of that. Oh, but um, nice. specifically for Troy – 
Now, I think Troy is a little bit different. I think people around here hold Troy to a different standard. Uh, these Power 5 wins are kind of expected. You know, you go back to last year and the Nebraska game, all across the country you heard, oh, Troy upsets another Power 5 team. There wasn't a single person in this town that did not expect Troy to win that game. When Scott Frost said that this was Troy's Super Bowl, we laughed, all of us. That, that was ridiculous. Nebraska <laughs> was maybe the third or fourth best team we played all year. Yeah. Um, so the, the, these kind of games are what, what Troy really just ex- expects to go out and win. Um, but as far as this year goes, this year it's very different. The two wins that Troy's had, are they were against Campbell and Akron. Akron is not good this year at all. Um, that win. No, they are not. It, it, it was 35-7, to 7, but it was still somehow ugly. It just didn't look right. But I think that's because Troy played Akron, and I don't think anything looks right if anybody plays mm-hmm. Akron. Um, and then the other two losses were against peer conference or peer teams that had explosive offenses and just either not a very good defense or an injury riddled defense. And so this this is the most complete team that uh, that Troy ha- mm-hmm. is going to play. But as far as what has happened already against uh, four very different teams, Troy has to get to the quarterback if they're gonna that they're gonna win. Because they cannot let Kelly Bryant sit back and just do what he wants to Troy's defensive backfield. In two wins, Troy has seven sacks. In two losses, Troy has four sacks. I think that's that's the biggest thing right now. Um, and obviously, in the games that they've lost, Ooh. they've given up about nine hundred passing yards in those two games. It's not, it's not been pretty. So it's um. It, it's pretty bad, so they need to get pressure on the quarterback Jeez. and just somehow tighten up and get a couple stops down the stretch and let the offense hang around. That's what a Troy win looks like. All right, Scott, so we've danced around it all show. It's good to put it kind of into the our listeners' ears so they know for sure. What must Missouri do to find a win against Troy this week? Uh, very, very similar to what Troy has to do to get a win. They have to uh, get – they have to get pressure on Barker. They have to uh, disrupt Barker um, and bring him down. That's the important thing. He's been very good at getting out of the pocket when it collapses and pushing the ball downfield. So they have to get to him and pull him down, and then they've got to protect the ball on offense. That's where Troy makes their money is they are forcing turnovers and they are capitalizing. When they get to forcing turnovers, it's like a waterfall. That's how it's been the last couple of years. And that after last week's game, and after they finally got a taste of what it what it was like the last few years when they forced four turnovers last week, you have to watch out for it. So if Missouri wants to get a win, they have to be smart on offense. Don't don't turn the ball over and protect um, Kelly Bryant and get to Caleb Barker. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's the secret to victory in football nowadays. So I'm with you on that. Okay, so let's do a prediction. Obviously, you're in Tiger territory right now, so if you want to predict a win, you're you know go ahead. I'll I'll absolutely allow that. But what's a prediction for this week? It could be the final score. It could be a particular stat line. Whatever you want, go crazy. So the the spread, I believe, it opened at Missouri by 26. I think it's insanity. Yeah, that that is the Troy hasn't been that big of an underdog since 2016 at Clemson. When they got, when they lost by six and uh, maybe got screwed out of a win there at the end, but um, mm-hmm. it's 
the line makes sense. Before the season started, I had this written down as a loss. Now that I see what's going on in the backfield, the defensive backfield, and the offensive backfield as thin as that is too, I don't see Troy keeping up with her. I think Troy is going to score its fair share of points. Um, but I think Missouri, they might just drop 50 this game, 50-55. So I think, I think we're looking at a cover situation here where Troy loses but gets its second win against the spread, maybe a, a 52-35, 55-35 kind of game. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. I actually predicted something very similar. I think you all will be able to push us a little bit uh, when you're on offense. I think it's going to be a little bit more uncomfortable than what we would prefer. Uh, but Missouri does pull it out in the end. So I like that, 52-35. Covering the spread, I like it. That's good. Yep. Well, thank you, Scott. We appreciate your insights and uh, all of the, the information that you have on the Troy Trojans. It's always nice to get a, get a voice from the other side. Hey, no problem, and I, I really enjoyed being here. Thank you for having me. Anytime, man. Well, we appreciate you listening in, Tiger fans. We'll see how Missouri does against the mighty Trojans of Troy. Uh, this Saturday uh, it could be a little close but it looks like it's going to be pointsy so at least it'll be a lot of fun uh, but yeah we'll be back next week promise to be better then uh, until then NIZ yeah,